Hi, how's it going, everybody? And welcome to the Debutify podcast, the premier e-commerce podcast brought to you by Debutify. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and joining me today is Narissa Show, the co-founder of Filta, a global staffing and recruitment company for digital and e-commerce businesses. Filta empowers managers and employees to work together seamlessly and efficiently. On this episode, Narissa and I discuss how to solve staffing challenges, what the recruiting process looks like, why Colombia and the Philippines are top choices for outsourcing, and much more. Here's our interview now. Narissa, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alex. So excited to be here. Very happy to have you. So Filter, why don't you tell me a little bit about Filter and what y'all do? Okay. So Filter works for D2C brands, agencies, tech and SaaS companies. And what we really do is look at their people strategy, understand their people resources, and then work with them to understand where is the best way to find people to add value to their business and grow their business. It can be recruitment locally. It can be recruitment nationally. It can be recruitment internationally. And then when people partner with us in countries like Philippines and Colombia, not only can we help them find the right people, we can employ them. So an employer of record service, we can do engagement, community engagement, client engagement, equipment and facilities. So it's really about what do you need as a business and what's the best solution? That's what we do. Yeah, no, I think that's really cool. I'm curious what some of the obstacles or problems are that companies run into when they're trying to outsource their workload that y'all can amend? Normally, it's um, they want one person to do everything. So they'll say, I want a developer. Yeah, I want a developer, designer, virtual assistant, email marketer, all in one. And so I talk about if you want to do things well, normally you want specialists. And you get all different levels of specialists. So I normally talk through what is the most pressing need right now what do you need for it to be successful? What will give you most value to your business? So is it customer? So for a merchant, is it, hey, your customers are online and you're still doing like email contact forms. So you should really invest in customer support, invest in um, and have someone who's, you know, doing live chat, calls, social media DMs. So you're providing that level. So I think it's more that side, first of all, and then the second, which I think is super important, is they are a member of your team. So a lot of people go outsourced, you know, I'm not thinking about it. They're just some person on the internet doing things. But if you want retention, if you want high quality, consistent work, everyone in the world wants to feel important. Everyone wants to matter. So if you can engage them and, and talk through your story, talk through um, your vision, your successes that week, your losses that week, they're meeting the rest of the team and they're part of those daily meetings. Um, they feel like, great, I belong, I'm part of something important and it really helps with them understanding your brand and what you want to achieve. So I think it's that. And then thirdly, the biggest thing is understanding different countries have different labour laws. So for instance, in Australia, which is, as everyone can tell, I'm an Aussie, we have four weeks annual leave. Oh, don't get too jealous, Alex. <laughs> and- I'm foaming at the mouth. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so we have four weeks annual leave. Um, there's maternity leave, paternity leave. There's 10 days sick year, okay? And then we deal, we have American clients where it's not, it's more like, you know, fire at will. Um, like a lot of the states, well, nearly all the states have, if you're not performing, see you later, Alex, don't come back. As an employee, some companies do not offer you health and medical. 
or Dental or 401. The developing countries that we're working with, Colombia and Philippines, it's, you know, they have maternity leave, paternity leave. They have 19 to 20 days public holidays a year. They get like 20 vacation days a year. And you cannot, you have to, if you're, if someone's not performing, the expectation is that you are coaching, mentoring, putting them through a performance improvement plan, not Alex, don't turn up tomorrow. So it's more of an education piece to understand. I appreciate this is how your country operates in terms of employment, wherever you are on earth. But when you're working with other countries, you need to respect and follow their employment laws and do the right thing. And as you can appreciate, it's very hard if that's not like what happens in your country. So I'd say those are the three key areas. No, that's great. And and I can at least say from my personal experience, just as a small anecdote, one thing is I'm currently in Virginia in the United States. And one of the labor laws that Virginia has here is a, a lack of necessity. They have a termination policy to where um, within the first 30 days of employment, they can terminate you without any reason whatsoever, which is really fascinating. I don't I don't think I've ever lost a job that way, but I know people who have who were just like, it's not a good fit. We've mishired you, you know, and it's kind of like they don't really need a good reason to fire you. And I think there's something, I don't know, pretty sticky about that. It doesn't feel stable. There's an instability to that. My second story is at They Beautify, just so anyone knows, honestly, I'm a freelance contractor, you know, so I am not technically an employee, but I am an employee, you know, so the way that they have operated is I feel like a member of the team. I'm not just some hired gun that they barely reach out to when they need something done. I do have someone that I report to just like any other employee would. And I don't necessarily feel like I'm I'm on my own floating island, you know, so I think they beautify has done something that has done what you've already said is kind of necessary when outsourcing and recruiting to other people in other countries, which I think is extremely valuable and makes me feel like a welcome member of the team. I'm curious, in addition to kind of some of their 401k dental practices and paid leave, that that sort of thing, why are Colombia and the Philippines top countries to choose for outsourcing work? Yeah, perfect. So I'll, I'll stick with Philippines first. So Philippines, it's the only Asian country where English is the first language. The education system is American. So um, the education and healthcare system, sorry, uh, is very much American. And the talent, so the expertise. So the great thing about Philippines is the Americans have come in oh, about 20, 25 years ago into the Philippines. It was all the big corporates, uh, multinationals, and really skilled because I've been working, you know, with American brands, so they understand the American way of business. And then in terms of talent, in terms of digital tech, uh, development, design, customer support, highly educated, and then they've just been able to work with brands, businesses all around the world, and they have really strong skills. And obviously, economies of scale, what you can hire in America. So in America, there's been a million developers or engineers who've been let go in the last 12 months. Um, so there's a lot of amazing talent locally in the States. But when you can find someone, say, in the Philippines who has 10 years experience and has been working with e-commerce, digital, and is a fourth of the price, but has a great attitude and wants to work for your company, it makes sense for a company to go, hey, can I invest in that? So I'd say technology, and I would say attitude, cost, and English, and a very American way of working is an advantage. Colombia is really new to us. 
We've been there 18 months and it's been a fantastic journey. Really how um, Colombia is fantastic for the American market and the Canadian market because same time zone, extremely hardworking and very like great critical thinking, straight shooters, so very straightforward talent-wise. They're working with some, so they might be working with a lot of brands like in LATAM. So they're supporting countries internationally. They might not be supporting or working with countries, you know, in America, Australia, New Zealand, UK, um, but they've got all this experience. And again, it's a cost-effective for an American or an international company to hire talent there with people who want to work, who are hungry. Like I give you an example. I was just there in Bogota and I ran uh, the very first official Shopify meetup and we had people travelling over two hours to come to hear from Shopify agencies and merchants. Yeah, which shows you, and I mean, amazing people, you know, like full stack developers, designers, people who are in this space who are hungry to learn. You think, wow, like I travel two hours to go to a one-hour event? Maybe, probably not actually, Alex, to be fair. But that's what I'm talking about is the commitment, the desire that I want to get ahead, I want to learn from international experts. You know, you cannot put a price on that. Absolutely. And especially if they are, you know, at, at the top of their field. I think there's something really, really special there. So I'm I'm curious more specifically, what roles do you outsource? What roles can Filter outsource to Colombia and the Philippines? Okay, anything within development engineering. So any tech, any stack, any language, creative. So typically, you know, art directors, creative directors, designers, motion designers, digital marketing. So anything within that paid, you know, paid social, social media managers, community managers, your traditional marketing and advertising, uh, media buyers, et cetera, bookkeepers, accountants, personal assistants, executive assistants, apologies, <laughs> um, customer support. So particularly for D2C brands, we have gorgeous trained, so gorgeous the software, trained customer support professionals, but you can be on any platform, you know, live chat, social media. Etc. So anything for an agency, for a digital marketing agency or a web development company, as well as for a DTC brand, depending on where they're at in their their journey, their business journey, um, whether they want customer support, they typically at that point are outsourcing or using an agency for web development or web migration or uh, maintenance, and then they get to a certain stage where you know it's more effective to do that in-house with with someone like us. Yeah, any, anything within the, in a technical, creative space, you know, in a commercial setting. Wonderful. I mean, that covers a lot of ground, honestly. So I'm interested in, again, you're the expert in this field and there are some words and some language on your website that a common layman like myself might not understand. Or, or for example, what what's the oh, difference? Good. Okay, tell me. Yeah, yeah. So what what's the difference between outsourcing, offshoring, nearshoring? And I do know what a freelancer is because that's what I do professionally. So I'm, <laughs> I'm curious what the difference between outsourcing, offshoring, nearshoring, and freelancers to our listeners who don't know, and and how you know which is the best option to help build a business with. Yes. Okay. So excellent point. They're industry terms, but yeah, who knows what that means? So 
Outsourcing is is when you engage a company and you say, hey, I've got a project. You talk to someone and go, here's my budget. This is what I need done by this time. And there could be 10 people who are working on the project that you never meet, Mary, Joe, Jane, but all you're dealing with is the project manager to get the work done. So that's outsourcing. Nearshoring, offshoring is nearshoring is a country that is close to your your country. So nearshoring talent. So for instance, America, nearshoring talent would be hiring people in say Costa Rica, Mexico, Chile, Colombia, Brazil. But if you are a company in America wanting to hire talent in the Philippines, uh, that's called outsourcing because of the distance. So really it's the same thing, uh, those two terms, but just talks about location. And then freelancers is, as you know, um, hiring people through your contacts, Upwork or similar programs, and you're paying them normally on an hourly rate um, for a short-term contract and that's it, work's done. Was that clear? Yeah, no, <laughs> that was really clear. clear. And I was, I was, I was just going to reiterate the follow up: is how does a company know which avenue to pursue best when trying to build their business? Yes. So I always talk about like really articulate and talk through what is it that you need. Is it look? I I need something for five hours a week, or it's one off. That's where I'd say freelancing is your, you know, your best option. Okay, so you're hiring for a very short-term project. If it's, say, it's a three- to six-month project, the outsourcing model is is probably well-suited. If it's long-term, so I need an email designer, email marketer, and I want them connected to my business, I want them doing the weekly EDMs, et cetera, um, to my customers, that's when I'd say nearshoring, offshoring is the right solution. Um, because you're having them dedicated, they only work for you. So they're understanding your brand, your philosophy, your vision, your voice. They understand your audience and your customers. They're part of the team and there's a lot of work to generate that 40-hour-a-week person. And that's when I'd say nearshoring or outsourcing. And then it's when when people are considering, so we have a lot of companies that, you know, want Brown Sun support. So they'll say, you know, I want a team in Colombia and I want the same talent in the Philippines. So for an American company, you know, the Colombians are working same time zone. So you're working, you know, your day shift, <laughs> um, you're eight till five, they're working same time as you. When you're playing movies, video games, hopefully sleeping at some stage, Alex, you know, your Philippine team are going, you know, they're on and they're producing work, etc., while you're sleeping. And for Aussies, and New Zealanders, we're on the opposite side of the world. The Philippines work out day shift. So by eight to five, it's the Philippines morning. So they work like their normal day. And then um, our Colombian team start when I'm in bed, normally, like you, at 12.30, like midnight my time. So I think it's really about what do you need do you need to talk to them all the time? And I think if you've never done it before, you should always work with teams in your time zone because you can train, you can engage, you can work out what's working, what's not working. And then once that's established, then work with countries in another time zone 
because you've got your processes, you know, you'll still have your check-ins and you'll still talk to them, of course, but things are working. It's not like you've got to like work midnight to 9am to make sure that they're supported. So that's kind of how I normally say structure, structure your business. I'm curious what a country would do. Let's say a client or a company hits you up and they're located pretty much anywhere between Ireland and India, if you go east, what would your solution be to a company who who were to contact Filta and say, look, we're based out of London, uh, we need to outsource somewhere, what could you do for them? Because that's kind of right smack in between, you know, the Philippines and Colombia. So what, what would your solution for something like that be? Philippines is the normal answer for that. So it's, and it really comes down to there's more time in that time zone to work with them. Okay. So, so Colombia and Philippines are pretty much on the exact opposite side. So you can kind of find some sort of overlap with any country, whether you're on, I guess, kind of the Eastern hemisphere or the Western between those two. That's very interesting. I I think that's well strategized. I'm interested more specifically in what the recruiting process looks like. So do you have teams in place in those specific countries that are consistently looking for people or, or what does that recruiting process look like? Yeah, it's a great question. And this is where most people feel because they don't know how to recruit, number one. So to give you some context and background, I have been in recruitment for over 20 years. I've interviewed over 8,000 people. With that comes experience. So, for instance, you know, I'm not a designer. So, if you asked me to design something, I'd be terrible. And that's when it comes to recruitment, most business owners or, you know, the C suite or anyone who's hiring typically doesn't do it all the time. So, how we do recruitment, so there's, there's a few things. It's not just about like interviewing people. We need to help the hiring manager uncover what is the problem you are. How does someone solving that problem look like successfully? So make sure the problem involves metrics, deliverables. Um, what does your first thirty days look like? Your ninety days? Your twelve months? So talk about is a real deep dive into those areas before you start recruiting. So you must under most people go. Oh, I just need this. And then the person starts, but they just go, oh, Alex, he's a good guy. And then one day it's like, Alex is not a good guy. Why? Oh, he's not doing his job. Does he know he's not doing his job? No. Okay, because you haven't actually communicated. So first is you really need to uncover that. And then with our strategy, yes, we build a lot of communities. So for us, we always want to find the best people in every discipline, not just technically, but that behavior skill, you know, like great attitude. I want to work (laughs) and I want to work for you. That critical thinking, you know, initiative, proactivity, they're also, it's so important. So we build a lot of communities. Um, So we run a lot of events for all, you know, e-commerce professionals. Anyone can join online and in person across these countries to educate. We run a lot of, you know, online communities in Reddit, in Facebook, in TikTok, in LinkedIn, again, to bring value to those people looking for work. So whether it's interview tips or, or, you know, getting people who are technical and getting them to do webinars. And then we have a, a database of people who, of course, we're tapping into. So it's really about where do the best talent live? And they're not on job boards. So we need to be connected to people all the time, understanding, 
you know, Alex, if you're looking for a job, what motivates you? What are you looking for? Where do you see your career? And when I've got an opportunity talking to you. So it's more of a, a community headhunting approach. And then with cups, it's really partnering with them with interviews. So a lot of companies are like, oh, 30 minute interview, that'll be fine. I'm like, you're like 18 hours away from a flight together. You need to invest time. You should be doing a behavioral interview, a cultural interview, a technical interview, do testing. You need to mitigate to make sure that you're doing everything you can to identify the right person that's going to solve your problem. And so for on the employee side, that they feel they have enough information to go, hey, you guys are awesome. I want to work for you. The recruitment process is robust. And then, of course, we're doing reference checks, medicals, and police checks, again, just to fully support people throughout that whole process. It sounds robust. It sounds very thorough, and, and I appreciate that. You know, that's that's when when I was reading about Filter and the company, what, the first thing that kind of crossed my mind is the possible differences in in cultures, you know, and, and what a work week looks like in Colombia and Latin countries where they take, you know, culturally a nap in the middle of the day is is just fundamentally different than than in, <laughs> in, in other countries. While I do that because I work from home, most nine to fivers in America don't <laughs> don't get to leave at noon to take a one hour nap and a, a one hour lunch and then go back to work. So I'm interested in how those behavioral, I call them kind of like synergy checks where you have to have, you know, a recruiter who is communicating on behalf of a company, making sure that they are um, simpatico with the potential freelancer or employee to that effect. So how do you essentially find those connections and what could be extremely different cultural backgrounds? You know, if, if, if I'm a Russian company, Russia and the Philippines are very different. So how do you kind of find that overlap? Yeah, so it's really identifying value. What are your values and how do you like to, to work? But it's also respectful. So very similar in Australia. Um, I don't think I've ever had an hour lunch break in my life <laughs> when I was an employee. <laughs> you know, and even now as an owner, don't necessarily follow me anyone, but, you know, like it's very normal to grab sandwich and just eat at my desk and keep going. So my lunch breaks are five minutes. Um, and so so is my co-founders. And that's how we work all the time. But when we're working with our Filipino and Colombian counterparts, and you are right, both countries very much value their one hour lunch break. So, so it's educating the companies that we're working with before they start, like saying, again, I appreciate that may not be normal for you, but this is law. So first of all, it's actually law. It's not that they just decide to, you know, go and have a nap. Um, it's law. And two, they feel refreshed. Um, we need to respect that that's what they do. And then they come back on board. And it's just been really conscious of that. And it is challenging when you don't do that yourself. But I think it's when working with companies, we always, again, you know, when I talk about law, but it's like, if you're a good citizen, if you're a good person and you have a global mindset, you understand that everyone in the world works differently and you respect that. So it's more that. And then when, but I would say the biggest thing is um, straightforwardness. So in the Filipino culture, again, with a lot of Asian countries, it's around saving face. 
And you need to understand what saving face is and you need to investigate uh, and losing face. It's very hierarchical. So Filipinos are generally not straightforward. It's normally a story. There's actually a Filipino word for it, but it's too early in the morning, so I can't tell you what that is. So they tell a story and what you need to do is understand, okay, what are they trying to tell me? And that can be very frustrating when, you know, we're like, what we say is what we mean. Hey, where are we up to? (laughs) And we just want to know, oh, yeah, I'm halfway through something or I'm stuck here. And then 20 minutes later, I'm still getting a story. But that's understanding their culture. And, And then how do I best work with that? So I'd say there's a few things. It's So in the Philippines, I'd say the biggest challenges most companies face is the straightforwardness, not saying what they really mean. So yes does not always mean yes. The biggest thing I see is a lot of clients uh, when someone says maybe or I'll try my best, that generally means no. (laughs) When you hear that language, it's like, okay, cool, what are your blockers? I'll try my best. So in our world in the West, we're like, there is no try, there is doom. There is due and I will get it done. So it's just understanding that. And in Colombia, I would say I would say the biggest are the only biggest difference because they're very straightforward, very direct, very much business first, business get things done. The only the thing I have noticed more is time. So time is fluid in Latin. So it's more communicating. Hey, in America, Australia, UK, for example, time matters. When our meeting is at this time, we expect you to be there like five minutes beforehand ready to go, not 20 minutes later. When you invite me to dinner, Alex, and you invite me, you say, hey, Narissa, come over at 7 p.m. for dinner. If I rocked up at your place at 9, no calls, no texting, nothing, what would you do? I'd be surprised. (laughs) Would you let me in? (laughs) Probably. Would you I let mean, me in the house? I don't know. I'm I'm also in the uh, oh, you're very bl- kind. I'm I'm below the Mason Dixon line. So I think Southern America is a little different where, you know, we'd say, you know, come in, have a glass of tea, and then you know oh, you're very hospitable. You can you we can figure it out. But I, I think you're touching on something really valuable, Narissa, and that and that is the the value of time and how time has become some sort of a a currency in certain part of the world, which is which is honestly seems kind of backwards when when you think about it because we now take even less time to do things thanks to the um evolutionary nature of technology yet we value it more and that sounds counterintuitive to me and i don't really know exactly where i'm going with this but it feels very hurry up and wait sometimes and i just think that there's got to be something to be said for the necessity for global perspective to to borrow your own phrasing and the people who are more valuable of other people's cultures understand that my principles aren't as important as respecting someone else's you know so however much that time may be valuable to me if someone cares about me they'll understand time is valuable to me and i will understand that time is fluid to them so when i say i need this thing by 5 p.m tomorrow that doesn't mean i get to start bothering them as soon as i gave them that deadline you know they'll put it in when when it's due 
And it is what it is, you know, not everyone operates in the same facilities. So I appreciate that in your dialogue and the way that that you communicate, it has a very, I don't know, respectable manner to it. And everyone's operating in different spheres. So respecting that is what I'm hearing you say is really important to filter and communicating that to your clients that this, this is the way it is. So be agreeable or if you can be agreeable it's a good match is that accurate yes so basically to be very clear the biggest part when we're assessing working for businesses are you good people do you care about people and we ask a lot of questions around like how does that look in your local teams and genuinely people are very obvious about people so and people are very um open about no, I don't want to talk to them. I just want them to do the work. I have extremely high turnover. You know, no one wants to work anymore, those sorts of things. You are not a great business to partner with Filter. We want to work with good people who care about people, who are innovative and purposeful, yes, going great places, yes, but ultimately you have to be someone who's like, hey, I don't care where they are in the world. I just want the best people who... I can engage with and be part of my business. And it's all about the attitude and the mindset. And I think there's so many good businesses out, like all the businesses we work with, like just care about people. And they're normally interested about, hey, I want my people to feel connected. You know, they're in another country. What can I do to better connect with them with my local team? What do I have to do differently to engage my remote workforce, basically? And they're the sort of businesses that I would say do really well within the filter community, but do really well in general because you can keep people, retain people. And I'll tell you what, a company that's saying, well, why my turnover rate is so high, people don't want to work, probably not capable of looking internally and saying, maybe I'm the reason I have such a high turnover rate. Uh, that might be glib of me to say, but that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I think it's an understanding the why are people leaving. Sometimes it's not bad management. Sometimes it's, oh, we've just been acquired by another company, you know, things like that. So it's always also, I think, as someone like myself, as a partner, is asking more questions, not not assuming, oh, you must be a bad manager because it's high turnover. But also people need to understand that if you're a bad manager locally, you don't know how to engage or you don't know how to delegate or you don't know, you don't want to talk to your local team. A lot of people think, oh, well, it'll be, they tend to outsource that terrible management style even more so when they're engaging an international team and you're just destined to fail. And we don't want to work with, we. I want you to succeed. You know, we want businesses to succeed. We want managers to succeed and their employees to succeed. So yeah, that's kind of our philosophy is just working with good people. That's great. Just a couple more questions before we wrap up. I'm, I'm extremely curious in what happens after the recruiting process. So Filta, from what I'm hearing you say, Narissa, is is take a client on, try to recruit and and match them up with the with the right people, and then what? So how involved is Filta after you have essentially matched the employees with the company? Yes. Yeah, so we offer a number of services, which I'd say I think there's about 86% of people who use us for everything. So you can do just recruitment only, and you're like, great, that's all I need from you. That's fine. But most of our clients go, great, I want to legally um, engage someone. So can you do all their payroll, the employment contracts, you know, payroll their benefits? The other part is the engagement. 
So, you know, I want my team to go to all your um, social events. We have full-time wellness managers. They want them to have access to the wellness managers and the wellness team run, you know, events as well. They want access to professional certified training. They want the Christmas party, the birthday cakes. You know, they really care about their their employees. They're engaging, so they'll use us for that side. And then if you want equipment, hey, I want laptops, I want MacBooks sent to their house, you know, I want a, a beautiful chair, works, home set up, whatever you want. Um, I want I want Macca's or oh, McDonald's, sorry, Australians say Macca's, McDonald's um, delivered to their home. Um, we can do all the purchasing. And then lastly, it's an advisory, oh, sorry, and offices. I want them to go to an office. Great. We have access to 50 offices in the Philippines and 13 in Colombia. So we can we can easily organize that for you. And then lastly is advisory. So, hey, I need help with performance management. I want you to sit in my reviews, salary benchmarking. We do a lot of training and coaching on how to work with your international teams, engage with them, and then drive consistent performance. So again, it's really about guiding, educating, empowering people through the journey. And you can do all of it. You can do whatever you feel is best for your business. And you can add on as you go along. So some people might do the recruitment and legal employment, and then they're like, you know what, I'm really struggling with engaging them. I want to feel connected. Let's do that. No, that covers a lot of ground. That sounds extremely hands-on. I think that's pretty powerful. It is hands-on. Oh, and we provide 24-6 support. 24-6, not 24-7. No, no, 24-6 at the moment. Because um, what we found is, uh, which is really unusual in our industry, but what we've designed is, you know, if you've got a question, most owners and managers want to deal with owners and managers. They just want the problem solved. So we set up a channel that anyone in any time zone. So if you're, you know, playing, watching your movies at two in the morning and something came to light, someone in the management team could respond, go, great, Alex, I can help you solve this. Let's jump on a call or let's, um, you know, it'll take me 10 minutes to work out or that's a really deep problem. I'll come back to you in 48 hours, et cetera. So what clients want is comfort about, hey, I've got an issue and I need to talk to someone about it. I need someone to help me solve that issue. So again, it's that real partnership. We're part of your business. We're not just some random supplier. No, that's great. And I, and I always appreciate that human interaction. I had to, I had to speak with a, a, a company, I think it was just yesterday, about getting some money out from their service. And you know, they said, let me talk to a manager. I talked to a manager and I, I essentially had my problem fixed in about 30 minutes. And and I was just extremely pleased with that because even in this day and age, that doesn't feel like the norm yet. You know, uh, in, in a world where we've been using automated services for what feels like probably, you know, 15, 20 years now, we're finally getting to the point where problems are being solved and expedited more quickly in in like a 30 minute compared to a, you know, I just, just remember every bit of maybe a month to a year ago, everything requiring an hour of my time minimum on the phone or, 
you know, 48 hours after putting in my contact information into a blurb on a, on a website. And I just don't think that's the best way to conduct business. People are using my products and my services. So congrats to you on that. Narissa, my final question is the same question that I ask all my guests. And that is in an e-commerce industry where people are moving and shaking all the time, I find it extremely important to have a work-life harmony and stable mental health. So what are some of your hobbies and interests that you do to ensure a harmonious work-life balance? You will not like my answer. Oh, come on. No, I don't. I work six days a week. I don't do any exercise. I eat terribly. I love junk food. <laughs> That's okay, though, because it can um, make you feel good. It does make me feel good. Um, I have a lot of coffee. I think to be real, most entrepreneurs and business owners that I work with, and I work with people in eight different countries uh, of all sizes, companies of all sizes, I have never met a successful owner that has, you know, work-life balance, <laughs> for instance. However, I know a lot of people, you know, some people are into meditation, Pilates, things like that. I guess for me, I really, for me to decompress, I read. So I, a speed reader, so I tend to read a book a night. Get out of here. That is amazing. No, I know. I, I really, really love it. And I don't, you know, people are like, oh, do you read about business and things like that? Sometimes I do, but sometimes I'm like, I've just done a, you know, 15 hour day. I just want to read something that's I don't have to think about, something that's enjoyable, that gets my mind off things. And I will say what I'm really good at, which most most people in the industry are terrible at is very good at getting sleep. So I get eight to 10 hours a night. So I know I don't be too jealous, but um, so I'm very big about protecting my time as well. So I really respect those that, you know, you know, doing everything all on the weekends and things like that. But I tend to like just to chill, relax, and that's kind of how I decompress, but it's not, you know, through meditation eating healthy Pilates, it's nothing like that. It's more just, as I said, reading and being being quiet. So I like to be quiet. And that's how I recharge because I honestly, I really love what I do. And I really love, like for me, Monday's exciting. So Monday is always an exciting day for me, where most people like Monday run dreads, but I'm always like, who do I get to speak to this morning? You know, like I always get like pumped. So I feel like um, I like to recharge and relax on weekends. That was very long-winded. Not at all. No, that's great. I (laughs) I really appreciate the transparency. I might have to connect with you to learn some speed reading techniques from you because I read at about, you know, six months for a book. fine. So uh, if I could get through one in like a week, I would be much more of an avid <laughs> than a movie watcher like I am. But look, Narissa, it, it's been an absolute pleasure sitting down with you. you Good too. luck with, with Filta. And until next time. Yes, thank you. I really enjoyed our conversation. And thank you so much for having me. I'd like to thank my guest, Narissa Show, for joining me on the program and come back on Thursday when I talk with Mo Hashemi, the co-founder of Gadget, a full-stack serverless JavaScript platform for web app developers who want to build faster and maintain less. For more information about Narissa, you can connect with her on LinkedIn. To learn more about Filta, you can check out their website, filtaglobal.com, spelled F-I-L-T-A, or follow them on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Filta Global. That's our show. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you come back to find new episodes being published every Tuesday and Thursday. Until then.